Remind yourself that we're not perfect. Give yourself permission to fail, to mess up, because it's okay. I know you're probably like hearing about me and listening to me talking. You're like, oh, she's got a perfect wife. Nope, not at all. (laughs) I promise you, like, the things that I've done have not come easy. I, you know, Mr. Arnold asked me, how do I do all this? And, you know, sometimes I stay up late, you know, I know what time the babies go to bed and it's a sacrifice I make or I wake up early. Give yourself permission to mess up. It's okay. But I think at the end of the day, if you know that you've tried your hardest, you can look back and be satisfied with that. Welcome to St. Louis in Tune, where we size up current and historic events involving people, places, and things in areas such as the arts, crime, education, employment, faith, finance, food, history, housing, humor, justice, and sports. Our weekly podcast gives you the edge to live a more informed life. We discuss more than just St. Louis as we connect the gateway city to our country's current cultural fabric and lives. And then here's one that goes perfect with your guest that you brought in with us today, which you'll tell everyone about. National Working Moms Day. Oh, my. And (laughs) she's doing the... perfect for her. It is. It is National Working Moms Day. This mom, she's incredible. I don't know where she gets the energy to do what she does. That's why I was reading all about her, and this is a perfect day for her. It is. It is. Dr. Delane Mushalak, she is affectionately known as Dr. Mom. She's a mother, a wife, a physician, a best-selling author, speaker, coach, entrepreneur. She was the Ms. CEO Author of the Year in 2019. She's dual board certified in internal medicine and pediatrics, the whole gamut, you know, from the cradle to the grave. She's, I love this word, Mark, a mompreneur. A mompreneur. A mompreneur. Oh, man. And she's the mom of the tripsies, triplets. So if you thought one was bad enough, two was really going to give you the run for the money, three to get ready, I guess four is the show. Wow. But her, uh, oh, her husband's a, an amazing surgeon. She's an international best-selling author, motivational wellness speaker, personal development coach, creator, and host of the Dr. Mom Show. Dee, welcome to St. Louis in Tune. Thank you. Thank you. So excited to be here, especially on this day. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, we're honored to have you on this day like that. Give us your background. You're not originally from the States. I'm not. So I was born in Guyana, South America, best country, after the United States, of course. Of course. (laughs) Just give you a little lesson. Guyana is the only English-speaking country in South America. So when I moved here, people would say, your English is so great. And I'd be like, yeah, because it's my first language. (laughs) Really? So there's three Guyanas. So British Guyana, which is my Guyana that claimed independence. But then there's French Guyana and Dutch Guyana, which is now Suriname. But we are on the map because of the Jim Jones right. uh, massacre with the cult. In um oh. That's right. And then, of course, we have the longest single drop waterfalls in all of the world. It's called Kaichor Falls. Wow. Um, but beautiful country if you ever get to go there. The Amazon is also there. So just all kinds of species and oh things like that. Um, both of my parents are ministers. So I grew up in a Christian home, which I'm so thankful for. Um, I always tell my parents I'm just going to drop my kids off by them and then they can just raise them. (laughs) I feel they did a great job with my sister and I. Uh, But once we moved here, you know, I always just wanted to be a physician, love taking care of people. My grandmother lived with us and I really enjoyed just caring for her and helping her out. 
On the side, I did also like newscasting, but my mom scared me and said all the newscasters, the newbies, got sent to all the countries that like had turmoil and war. Oh, yeah. So I was like, let's not do that. But you'll find out. What I do now, I kind of get like the best of both worlds right now because I'm a physician and I also get to do something kind of like newscasting too, like broadcasting. So then we moved over here, pursued my dream as a physician. Of course, I always wanted to be a pediatrician, but when I did internal medicine, I also loved adults. And then I was just glutton for punishment. So I became dual boarded in both internal medicine and pediatrics. So I mm. get to see everybody, which I'm so excited and I feel so honored to do. Met my husband in medical school. So we waited to have kids. When we came out, both of our families have twins that run in our family. Oh, so I was no. like, that's I, the, that's I was like, I got right this. <laughs> I was like, I can do this. You know, twins, you know, we waited so long and um, we ended up, I'll never forget the first ultrasound we got. We, we was like, oh, it's twins. And we're like, yeah. And then he said, wait a minute. There's another one hiding back here. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so found out we were having triplets. Two boys and a girl, and oh. um, we were just so excited. My mom makes fun of me. She said, you prayed so hard that God was like, shut up. <laughs> Stop right. asking me for kids. And here we are um, in St. Louis. My husband's family is lives right outside St. Louis. He's an only child, so I wanted to make it known what an amazing wife I am because <laughs> I moved to St. Louis because of him. So my family is oh. in New York, but I also have ties to St. Louis. I trained at Mizzou. Um, okay. M-I-Z, baby. Uh, okay. <laughs> so All right. so I, my, some of my heart's in St. Louis. I've really enjoyed being out here. Great people. Very supportive. Love my patients. And um, after having my babies, like uh, Mr. Arnold talked about, I just they've just really motivated me to build a legacy for them that they can not only say that, you know, my mom is a great doctor, but I also do other things to remind them that, you know, you don't have to get stuck in a box and just do one thing that you went to school for. You can do other things and impact people on a different level and help people live a, leave a legacy. And um, as you mentioned, I have my show, my Dr. Mom show. I've written some books. Um, I have a publishing company called Alea Publishing with my sister, and um, I also do wellness coaching for individuals. And also, I really enjoy corporate wellness coaching, especially now with the pandemic, with burnout, mental health. Mm -hmm. um, so I really do enjoy that also. And just speaking, I love I love just getting out there and talking about preventative medicine and leadership and women. I'm not a feminist, but <laughs> yeah. I'm all about moms getting out there. Right, right. So, yeah. so how many hours are in your day? Ooh, <laughs> I know it. The, the last time I checked, not enough. <laughs> oh my gosh. It takes a lot of organization. It does. To do all that. It does. Yes. Yes. I always say um, wow. a planner and a prayer. Mm -hmm. is every morning. That's what I need every day. I make sure I pray every day, ask God for strength to make it through because definitely I don't go through days without hurdles. Um, and Amen. then <laughs> my planner and my sticky note. And just for you guys listening out there, don't be hard on yourself if you don't check everything off on your to-do list. You know, we're only human and, you know, things happen. Just prioritize. I think the main thing is prioritize. Just get the most important things done that you know you have to get done for that day. And, mm -hmm. you know, you all you can do is do your best mm -hmm. at the end of the day. Now, so. I, I was going to ask you this question that, you know, you talk a lot about your parents, 
um, online and uh, even even here this morning. So what did your parents really provide for you that helped you in your journey and in, in this persistence and kind of developing this story of, of being an independent woman? Uh, well, I think two things. One, uh, I saw my family essentially give up everything. You know, if you're not familiar with third world countries, you know, you're either rich or poor. There's no middle class in third world countries. And, you know, we were wealthier there. And my parents had a store almost like equivalent to like a dollar store mm -hmm. um, there. And they essentially gave up everything to move to the United States so my sister and I could get a better education. And I think that's huge for me that I just saw the sacrifice that they made for us. Um, that's number one. Number two... They've always just lifted us up in the sense of they were always a team and included us in everything. And anything we ever tried to do, my parents never said, maybe in their minds, they were like, oh, yeah, I can't do that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but, but they never said, you, you're not going to do it. They've always just encouraged us, even up to now. Like, you know, when I was coming here, I was like, pray for me. I'm going to be on the show today. And, you know, their first response always like, you got this, baby. You know, my dad calls me lollipop. You know, it's always Aww. just encouragement mm -hmm. from them no matter what. And it's always you can do it. And I think that's so important for parents to, from a young age, to instill into their kids. Because if you set those standards and give them those affirmations to live by, They'll, you know, even if they hear other stuff, I mean, I remember applying to medical school and there were people who said, why are you applying to medical school? Like you probably won't even get in. You're not, you know, I, I mean, that kind of stuff. I know just negative and yeah, there's always right. going to be negative people, but my parents and family have always been so supportive in anything we've done that, um, yeah. that's, that's definitely, and it's from being little to being an adult, mm -hmm. you know, even up to now yeah. as an adult, whatever, I put my hands to do. My parents have just really been so supportive. You know, encouragement goes a, a long way. And even on individual kinds of situations where you can really crush a child or you can, uh, even more than encouragement, give them confidence that you are behind them. Uh, a situation I'm aware of that a pastor's daughter got pregnant and they were like, we're not going to hide this. We went mm -hmm. to the front of the church, and uh, they said, hey, this is what's going on. He put his arm around her, and that gave that daughter confidence that, hey, my folks love me no matter what happens. Mm -hmm. And even like if a, if a child has an accident with the car, hey, we can replace the car. We can't replace you. Uh, that sounds like what you experienced from your parents, and it's really needed nowadays it rather is. than put-downs and uh, – you know, why didn't you do this or not living right. up to a certain kind of standard? Right. Yeah, so important. And I think um, part of that is, you know, my mindset, our mindset is so important. And the way my parents have brought me up is I don't go in thinking I can't do it. Mm -hmm. In my mind, I'm like, I can do this, mm -hmm. you know, and I feel that motivates you. If you're if mentally you're like, I got this, then, you know, you know, you're set to mm -hmm. do it. And, you know, instead of saying, well, uh, I don't know if I can do this. Yeah. Don't forget, if you have to leave the radio, you can listen online. We're streaming at kwrh929.org and radiostl.com. Yeah, her parents could listen. And we're at home. Oh, yeah. yeah. They could be listening right now. Yeah, we would be listening live right <laughs> yeah, now. Yeah, right. The, why, why medicine? I know you said that 
you know, from an early age, you always wanted to be a doctor. What was the kicking point for that? I think the biggest thing is it's very special to be a steward mm-hmm. to people. And mm. I think it's a privilege to serve people in that realm when they're sick. It's a very vulnerable time for people when they're sick. And I just think there's something very special about that relationship and being the one that people Mm -hmm. come to when they're sick or they need something. And then helping that person, I think, in another dimension that somebody else can't. Uh, And there's a special bond, I feel, that gets built between a patient and a physician. And I I just like that, building that rapport and having that trust and people just leaning on you and knowing that, hey, you like truly love them and care for them. Mm-hmm. That sounds interesting because, you know, a lot of people do a lot of different vocations for a lot of different reasons. Mm-hmm. And there is a lot of comfort if you've got a physician that's, man, when you're not doing well right. in the hospital, that means a lot. Yeah. It really means a lot. It does. If it's a calling or something like that, really does make a difference yeah. in how people treat others and so you talk about evidence-based medicine with a holistic approach uh talk about how that works and what are some of the benefits what are some of the drawbacks and remind your folks that um this is not advice given by a physician over the radio that you should take you should always investigate things right. like that so we want to give that little disclaimer about that That's but talk right. a little bit about the the holistic approach and evidence-based medicine what is that Yeah, so evidence-based medicine, so as uh, practitioners, it's researched medicine, you know, especially in the United States, it's huge that we don't want to put a practice out there that hasn't been researched and done and tried. So when we talk to our patients, we say, hey, the evidence-based part is this. Or you may say, hey, some studies show, but it may not be solid evidence, but you're, you just say, hey, it does show this, but we don't have a solid, solid evidence behind it. We practice evidence-based medicine because then it would be cowboy medicine if there wasn't evidence-based medicine because everybody would essentially do their own thing and what they believed was right. So evidence-based medicine in the medical field just keeps it consistent between different providers. The holistic approach for me is I am, and this is, this is, every physician has their own take on this, but I personally am not a pill pusher. I feel if there's something people can do, like lifestyle modification, I'm totally all about that. Unless I speak with my patients and I say, unless it's something that's emergent, like if somebody has really high cholesterol and a family history of early heart attacks, I'd probably say, hey, let's get you on some medicine, make changes because we don't want you to have a heart attack or stroke. But if you have somebody who overall is pretty healthy and they could make some lifestyle changes, no family history of early heart attacks, I'm like, hey, let's give it a try. You know, let's give six months, do some different approaches. Um, I know some people use supplements. And again, that's something to speak with your provider because there's a lot there. Like supplements can interact with medications you're on. Mm -hmm. People don't realize medications go through our kidney or our liver. So you have to make sure that's okay. There's just a lot. That people don't know, and that's where when we say the phrase FDA approved, um, you know, supplements aren't quote unquote FDA approved, and it's just because there's no specific reason to use it. It hasn't been that evidence based medicine that we talk about, those haven't been researched, that is just based off of claims. Um, so, so that's the difference. I think holistic for me is also bringing in 
not only physically helping patients, but also making sure they're in a good mental state. Um, you obviously can tell, you know, I'm a believer. I feel like our spirituality also plays a big role in our health and mm -hmm. our mental health and mm -hmm. then just your emotional state. So really treating the patient as a whole and mm -hmm. making sure everything is okay. Not, not that you just have a six pack, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> what? What? I don't have one. I lost that one a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, really. You had one once. I never had one. <laughs> Everybody's shaking their head. I know, I've know. Yeah, never yeah, had yeah. one, I know. She hey, had we, to go there. <laughs> if we sound muffled, folks, uh, we're, we have uh, our masks on. Yep. We are mitt masks. Even though I got a shot, I still have my mitt. Did you get your shot, doctor? Yes. Good, yeah, good, good. How about you? Have you got yours? No, I'm not. I'm on tier three or whatever it is. Are you? Okay. Yeah, That'll be, you'll be next summer. Next be, summer. Uh, not this summer, next summer. This summer. Um, <laughs> just you know, kidding. July 1, I'll I'll kind of go up on the range. There you go. Of course, apparently by May 1st, we're all supposed to be eligible. I so. hope so. I hope so. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully once more start coming out, I think right. the demand, just the demand is so high compared to the supply. Right. Yeah, we will, we will talk about that in the second hour when we do. We will. Our, we have a yeah. Carson <laughs> pandemic moment. Yes. Um, so. <laughs> You're not bitter. No, 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 no. So everyone here has had their shot, but Arnold, folks. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There so you go. he is bitter. Okay. So it sounds like everything that you do takes a uh, disciplined life. Yes. <laughs> so how you, can you, you be start your day How can you be disciplined with three kids? <laughs> Yeah, with triplets. Well, that's, it's an oxymoron. You know? okay, it is okay. You know, how, how do you they're do They're on a routine. They're are on they? a, I mean, for anybody who has kids in general, but if you have multiples, that's always my first advice: stick to a routine because you're still the boss when they're little. So they always, from the time they were born, ate at the same time, took their naps. So now, I mean, it's just. But Clockwork. they're all the same age. Yeah, that's I know. At the same time. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I have it's a, it's a little tricky. I try to be positive. You know, you know when they hit that age where they're like throwing everything off the little high chair? I was like, I only have to go through that once. Right, you right. Know, once. Good. Everybody's wow. just going to do it once. <laughs> that's a good thought. That is, that's positive Instead spin. of all of a sudden, yeah. you know, one's done and then the next one's up to do it. So I always try to think of it that way. The good part is, you know, we have the triplets, and I think it definitely would have been harder if we had children before that. So this is all we know. We're we're ignorant in that sense. So That's this your is, normal. This is our normal, exactly. Mm -hmm. wow. So, um, so yeah. We probably wouldn't survive one child after that. No. <laughs> well, yeah. and you know that's a, that's a great point because sometimes what you, when you look at different families and you look how you know families think that how their family is raised is the way everybody else's family is. And until you get right. a chance to interact and understand, you're like, man, my family was really weird. <laughs> or, man, my family was really uh, – I was, I was fortunate yeah. compared to my friends or something like that. Right. But if, if that's what you know and you're growing up, that's what it is. Yeah. yeah. So you've got some books, uh, <laughs> Women of War – this is how I fight my battles, the Tripsies and me, which is about the triplets, and a 30-day devotional journal, M-O-M. -M. Talk a little bit about those those books, Dee. Yeah, so um, the first book I published was my devotional, M-O-M, -M, for mom, and that stands for Meditate, Overcome, Motivate. And, mm. you know, I just felt that was laid on my heart after I had the triplets. I had a lot of support. Our families came, helped us. My husband was very supportive. 
but I still felt like I was a little lonely. You know, there I was like all day. Mm-hmm. I swear for you moms out there, right? Like you wake up, all you're doing is feeding, feeding, <laughs> pumping, <laughs> feeding. And my husband come home, I'm like still in my robe. And I'm like, what did I do all day? What happened? And you know, I almost felt a little like lonely. It was so strange because even though I had so much support and help, it's like, what is this? And I just felt God laid that devotional on my heart because I felt, you know, if I have support, like I have all this support and I feel this way. Imagine like a mom who is a single mom or who doesn't have right. support oh, yeah. like this. Right. And um, essentially it's a 30-day devotional where each day I just have an affirmation to remind us, um, you know, of who we are, that we're beautiful, we're intelligent, we're strong, we're amazing with the verse that goes with it and just a little story and I just challenge each day just has a challenge that how can we overcome an obstacle using that affirmation for the day? And then the last M, how can we motivate those around us um, to do the same, mm-hmm. overcome whatever they're going through? So that was my devotional. And then, then I did the Tripsies and Me. That was more of a fun book. I had a lot of fun writing that because that one rhymes. Um, and that one is about the baby. So just tons of fun there. And I was excited because that one became an international bestseller. Oh, wow. You know, who cares about me? Everybody just cares about them. Right. <laughs> right. Don't worry about my other stuff. Where's the priorities um, here? Right. And then Women of War, Peace in the Midst of a Storm. That is a book collaboration that I spearheaded. It's 14 women, each one of us just telling a story about a struggle or a hurdle that we've been through. Again, just encouraging people just whatever battle or you know circumstance they may be in they can overcome it and the same thing for this is how i fight my battles it was another book collaboration that i was a part of that again just speaking of a battle or hurdle that you've been through and just to overcome that and not put your guard down you know and we're we're warrior princesses at heart that's a good way to describe that. Oh, yeah. Oh, you're princesses. And it's not Xena either. No, no, don't tell my wife any of this. <laughs> no. She's not a princess. She's a queen. Oh, oh yeah. She is the queen. She I is the queen. It. I know. I love that. I know it. I so know. did the show come out of the books? So after I had the babies, um, really my show came first because after having my own children, I was kind of like, oh, now I understand why these moms were like, I do this. And, you know, I'm like, no, you need to do this. Now I'm kind of like, it's okay. Go ahead. You can do that. Um, But again, just my expertise as a physician. And now at that point, being a mother, I was like, I'm going to start, you know, a show for fun and just talk about different topics. And as I mentioned before, I really enjoy educating people about preventative medicine. I think it's unfortunate. I think medicine, we've lost trust and respect Mm -hmm. from the general public. And a lot of people are turning to like blogs and Facebook pages and, you know, things where it's not experts. It's kind of just people who are randomly saying things and uh, really just to try to bring that trust back. And I think if people are better educated, they can have a better conversation with their doctor and a better understanding of why we do what we do. So that's how the Dr. Mom show came about and then afterwards it was the books and again as i mentioned before with my dr mom show if you're listening oprah next female dr oz right here (laughs) there you go and you can find those books underneath your chair right now folks yeah right (laughs) you you get a book you get a book (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm waiting for the car. I want the car. I know. <laughs> um, yeah, so that so that's how it went. Then out of that um, is when I started to speak. And uh, people, like, found me and said, we would love for you. We saw your show. We would love for you. And really, a couple things I do. Some people have me speak on health and wellness. Others more uh, leadership. And then, like, women empowerment are probably the three fields that I hit on with mm-hmm. speaking. Um, so that's I, I see TED Talks. Oh, yeah. That's on my list. TED Talks in your future. Yes. I believe it. Yep. On my bucket list. I know. And we're going to we're gonna say we knew her before. Be detox. We knew. Be detox. I love it. I'll start my own one. That's right. right. <laughs> All right. Yeah, that's Why good not? Too. That's true. That's so true. I know you talked a lot about, you know, transitions and health. And and I my question deals with eating healthy. And you have something you, you call clean eating. Define that and help us understand what what that is all about. Yeah, so I feel, you know, unfortunately we're all so busy and a lot of times we have a tendency to just grab what's most convenient, which turns out to usually be very processed or ultra-processed foods, which ultimately aren't healthy for us. Nope. And <laughs> nope. <laughs> clean eating, and this is one thing with being born in a third world country, you know, we like killed our chicken before we ate it when you went to the market you're like fish were still alive Mm -hmm. and it's so insane how there's a different taste of fresh food versus food that you buy and the chicken's frozen and things like that so for sure there's things added um, to it that changes the taste but we also know that it affects our cells in our bodies the more additives there are you know we found there's an increased risk of cancer with processed foods and clean eating is really just Keeping it is exactly what it is. Keeping it as clean as possible where you're not getting those ultra processed foods, but doing things that where, you know, we recommend cooking things from scratch. You know, if you're making, for example, meatballs, try not to get frozen meatballs, but make your own meatballs. Mm-hmm. Because again, so many things are added to it in order to preserve it. Mm-hmm. And it's so processed to keep it that ultimately it's not healthy for us. And you have a toxicity quiz. <laughs> that you give people I, i'm kind of curious about this you know like how, how many how many grams of of radiation have you consumed <laughs> over the last week or Thank something you like so that you know? much so, what, so i glow I, at night so with, I, don't know yeah. <laughs> I don't need to turn on the light i just get up and right. walk around right because i'm glowing <laughs> okay so, uh, without kind of giving that away because that's kind of part of a program that you do uh-huh. what what is that kind of like? Well, a lot of it is uh, based on sugar. We love sugar oh, here in the United toxic. States. We love it. But we have found that sugar is associated with so much inflammation. And when there's inflammation in the body, there's such an increased risk of your immune system not working like it should. Right. So you're susceptible to more disease processes. <sighs> We've also found just with that inflammation there's an increased risk of obesity, and then it's harder to lose weight. And we all know that obesity, again, is associated with so many other disease processes. So it just becomes this vicious cycle. So one of the big things with the toxins and detox is very sweet and sugar-focused because we get a lot more than we really think we do. Even even if you're trying not to eat a lot of sugar if you really took a look at it, there mm-hmm. are a lot of carbs mm-hmm. and processed sweeteners and things like that in what we eat and drink. And and, and milk, I hear, is not the greatest for older folks like me. 
Well, you got to no, watch. Notice what you're he didn't drinking. include me in that <laughs> I know. group. Right there. Well, it's it's got sugar in it. I just uh, and I used to love. I mean, I've been just. I knocked down the big glass of milk, whatever. It's like, we're out of milk again, you know? We need more milk here because I've just had three glasses of it. So I've been starting to cut it out, but it's, milk is really not good for old. Yeah, I mean, you have to watch now, like soy and almond milk. Uh-huh. That's a little bit more natural sugar versus, uh, you know, other milks. Processed. And, of course, watching... A lot of people still love like whole milk. Like my sister, she's going to kill me, but she loves whole milk. Wow, and uh, I keep telling her, like, like you got to, yeah, I like know. you got to get away from, know, you know, know, the whole right. milk and do like skim or at least 2%. Even with kids, you know, at usually one year, if everything's like okay, yeah. we will recommend whole milk just because then they're walking, burning calories. But once they hit two, Stop you know, it. we recommend no more whole milk. Right. Um, and of course, if there are kids who suffer with obesity, we don't recommend whole milk. So, um, huh. yeah, so whole milk is a, a, like a treat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's right. All right. If, when we don't buy the. Uh, Half and half, you know, for the coffee. You know? Oh yeah, we use Irish cream for our coffee, so <laughs> we just, there you are. There you just are. kidding. So you okay. know, I, when, you, okay. when you talked about exactly. sugar, I I remember listening to a nutritionist who said he puts the bowl of sugar on. He suggested putting the bowl of sugar on the breakfast table uh-huh. and letting the kids, uh, you know, get non-sugared cereal and if they want to put on them as much as they want because they will never put on as much, much as sugar. what's in no. sugared cereal. Stop it. Yeah. That's yeah. terrible. That's, That's terrible. That's terrible that they're able to sell that stuff. And, and really the <laughs> incidence of, I should say, um, does it is there a link between more cancer and intake of, of sugar products or over-carbing yourself? Yeah, I don't necessarily think there's been a direct connection between carbs and the sugars itself. I think it's more so the sequelae of, hey, if you're eating processed things, sugary things, that inflammation that I talked about, Mm -hmm. which increases that risk. Yeah. Gotcha. Then you have a a hormone, five-day hormone detox program. Mm -hmm. That's for my women out there. (laughs) Guys need to detox about other things. Yeah. I said, yeah, that's, yeah. And, and so don't you're go, really you looking out for, uh, you know, moms from before they give birth to kids, during, after, and then as as they age. And, that's right. Uh, that's where that's where this one would come into play. Because mm-hmm. I mean, just as women, you know, our hormones are all over the place, as you guys know. Oh yeah. And yeah, then yeah, especially yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, yes they are. I'm notice, sorry. I didn't, you know, notice I didn't I just say anything. Thinking of my wife. Yeah. <laughs> Maria's wonderful. Yes, Queen Maria. Yeah, that's right, Queen Maria. She is Queen Maria, right. Okay, sorry. No, yeah, so there's just that fluctuation, and especially if women are about to start menopause, going Mm -hmm. through menopause, we also know that there's a lot of fluctuation there. And again, we know that what we take into our body, again, just kind of going back to these sweeteners, really change that function and change some of those hormones like cortisol, and things mm. like that, which can affect our hormones at the end of the day. Mm. Wow. You had an interesting statement uh, under your motivational oh, man. A- area. <laughs> Here we go. Here we go. I, w- I was looking at, you said half the workforce is unhappy. Mm. So my question is just a very short one. Why? Yeah. <laughs> I think um, part of that is because a lot of people end up doing things that they don't necessarily want to do. Hmm. And 
I think a lot of people end up settling and just kind of stick with it and become stagnant. And they think to themselves, you know, well, if I go back to school, I have to do this, you know, or I have kids. If you're in a situation where you have kids and you're like, now I have my children, am I going to be able to study? And I think people settle um, for things, but I'm a true believer in making yourself uncomfortable. It's okay to be uncomfortable because if you're comfortable, that may be a warning sign that things are getting a little stagnant. You know, it's kind of like when you're married. All of a sudden, you're like, ooh, I got to look cute. Yeah. <laughs> All of a sudden, you get more comfortable. Right. And part of one thing, you know, one of the talks I do for moms is to remember, you know, we got to look cute too, yeah. you know? Yeah. We have to make sure we're taking care of ourselves just because you're a mom or a wife of 25 years if mm-hmm. you've been married. It doesn't mean that you go slacking off, you know, um, because we know from research that if people comb their hair and look good, that builds up your self-esteem. It builds up your mood for the day versus if you just if you're looking all shaggy, right. you know, your self-esteem and your mood won't be as high for that day. So we we know that. So I think that is important. Um, so going back to your question, I think some people just settle and don't necessarily pursue their dreams like they should. And does that play into, I know you mentioned this earlier in the interview, does that play into people's physical ailments? And I know you mentioned um, emotional, spiritual, mental, physical kinds of balance and how those interact with each other and one out of or several out of balance with the other. You know, talking about how people may not be happy where they are what does that do to you physically or emotionally, spiritually, those kinds of things? Yeah, I mean, that'll that'll be a Debbie Downer if you're not happy. Those people will be at increased risk of depression, anxiety. And, you know, we know even the Centers for Disease Control, you know, they show us that one in five people suffer from some mental health illness. And then I thought this was crazy that one out of two people at some point will have a mental illness disorder. So essentially, you know, we're here. So one of us at some point will either have depression, anxiety, you know, something, um, even like substance abuse because of things that are going down because of your mood. Um, so, So again, that all comes together and plays a role with each other. If you're not happy, there's a higher chance of depression then again, just that vicious cycle of not taking care of yourself, not eating well, kind of doing what's quick and easy, not exercising, you know, not being motivated to get up and go. Um, Yes, it it is a bad cycle to get stuck in. Do you see that those discussions, those talks that you have, the feedback that you've gotten from the books and the show, have people said, yeah, this is really helping me or it was a kick in the pants or... You know, that might be for other people, but you don't know my situation so severe or what's the range of responses that you've gotten? So I think there's probably like three ranges. One, there's people who are like, this is awesome. I'm making changes. I mean, one big thing is just when people meet me, they're like, if she can do it, I got this. And and that's what I really like. That's the impact I want to make is that when people see that, you know, if you push that, that you got this, if you persevere, um, so you have those people who I meet, they've read a book, heard the show, they're like, I'm going to go out there. That that was motivation enough for me. Then you get those that you talked about where they're like, yeah, you know, but my situation, this is happening. And that's why I'm a big proponent of having a mentor or a coach 
because sometimes you just need that accountability partner Mm -hmm. to be with you and to, you know, whether it's you're talking to somebody every week or once a month Mm -hmm. to keep you just on your toes that, hey, somebody keep you accountable. Have you done this? You know, you said you wanted to, let's take write a book, for example. Okay, our goal is for you to get done with a chapter. Did you finish that chapter? It's kind of like exercising. Mm -hmm. I always say have a workout buddy. Right. Because you know we're all tired after work. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and if somebody oh, yeah. doesn't pushes you, yeah. doesn't push you, you know, it's really hard to go out there or wake up early to work out. So the same thing. So having a coach or a mentor, and then you just have people who will never do it. I mean, mm-hmm. in reality, we all know there's just people out there who, at the end of the day, who are lazy, who aren't motivated, mm-hmm. and just won't do it and you know my dad always says you can take the horse to the water but you can't drink the water for the horse so (laughs) so you can only do so much right that's right and and that that mentor on some of those things could or could not should or should not be a spouse uh, I think it depends if you're how how your spouse is doing if you have a spouse with the same like attitude as you, mm-hmm. like, let's say you're like, eh, right. if I'm tired, I'm not going to work out. So I will say my husband loves to work out. He he was a gymnast. He played sports, like swam, did a whole bunch of stuff. So he loves working out. And sometimes I'll come home, you know, when you're with the baby, she's like, oh, uh, but he'll be like, no, you got this. Yeah. You can do this. And even the babies now that they're, you know, they're five now. So they'll get on the ground and work out with me or they'll say, mom, are you working out today? Oh, um, is, wonderful. So, yeah. so he does great with me, like helping motivate me in that sense. But if you have a spouse like that, that's great. If you feel your spouse will be like, yeah, let's just skip it today. Yeah. You know, I would say find somebody else. Let's, let's have a beer. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> let's all... just hang out. All right. Yeah, I, I would say find somebody else. Right, right. that's great. I know it. Let's skip this one today and next week and the week after. Get those meatballs out of the freezer. (laughs) Can you get some more half and half? Yeah. Yeah, right. Whole milk, baby. (laughs) This is wrong. (laughs) Some some closing encouragement that you would give listeners. Yes. um, So one. Again, I spoke on it a little before is that, you know, remind yourself that we're not perfect. So give yourself permission to fail, to mess up because it's okay. And um, you, I know you're probably like hearing about me and listen to me talking. You're like, oh, she's got a perfect wife. Yeah, nope, not at all. <laughs> I promise you like. The things that I've done have not come easy. I, you know, Mr. Arnold asked me, how do I do all this? And, you know, sometimes I stay up late, you know, I know what time the babies go to bed and it's a sacrifice I make or I wake up early. Um, I don't watch a lot of TV. My husband and I, we do not watch a lot of TV. Um, so it's sacrifices like that, you, you know, that you make. So give yourself permission to mess up, it's okay, but I think at the end of the day, if you know that you've tried your hardest, you can look back and be satisfied with that. And I think the other thing, you know, not to sound lame, but you know how they say, shoot for the moon so you can land among the stars. And I know some people raise their eyebrows when I say I'm going to be the next female Dr. Oz, but you uh-uh. know what? I'm going to, even if it takes five years, if it takes 20 years, you know what? I'm going to do it. I'm just going to keep on pushing. Um, and I think if you have a dream, it doesn't matter how old you are, how many kids you have, if you have to 
make that school program instead of two years be a four-year program, you can do it. And then you'll be so happy when you're done with it and so proud of yourself after you've accomplished it. And not only that, but you've built that legacy for your kids and your kids will grow up and know that they're able to do the same thing Mm -hmm. because you did it. And of course, as Dr. Mom always says, wash your hands, kiss your kids, love your families, and say your prayers. Good night. Oh, there you go. <laughs> and you know what's important Drop about that? Drop the microphone. <laughs> yeah. This is, yeah. It's a done. We're done. <laughs> you know, How do you what's, follow that? What's so valuable with that is that the time with your kids goes like That's that. Right. Oh, nobody understands that, do they? Unless they don't. you have Along kids. the way. And you have no. to enjoy those wonderful right. times along the way. Oh, my goodness. And know there's going to be some potholes. Oh, yeah. And know that there's going to be some smooth pavement. Yeah. But to enjoy your kids after they're out of the house, oh, if you have not laid that groundwork that she talked about, right. your right. kids may not want to want to be around you. Yeah. No, that's true. You know? And that's so important because I this is how crazy it is. I prefer to hang out with my parents than like go on a trip with friends because that's just how much I love my family. We just have oh. so much fun, and my. My dad always laughs at us because my sister and I will get together and we'll just start laughing and yep. we can't even get words out because we're laughing so hard. And he's like, what is going on over there? Right, right, right. But, you know, you're just having <laughs> tons of fun. And, you know, even my husband and I, I always say to him, I'm like, you know, I want to be just like my parents because yeah. I didn't have that desire to do other stuff if it was between my family, hanging out with my family and hanging out with friends because I just had such a boss with them. And I think it is tricky, that balance to, you know, still be a parent, be responsible because, you know, kids have to respect their parents. They have Um, to. They have to. They have to. Yeah. You see, my dad used to like give you that look and you better know. It's yeah. going to get bad. I've been working on the look. I was just going to say, yeah, you no. gave me that look. I, I was I like, holy shit. I don't have it down, though. I mean, You're my, pretty good uh, about that, Dr. Mom. My, <laughs> my husband makes fun of me. He's like, he, when they get in trouble, he's like, I'm not your mom. I'm not going to give you three warnings. <laughs> so... So he's definitely the stricter one out of the two of us. But again, I just think it's important to have that balance. Yeah. Balance is great. What a great word. Balance means yeah. so much. Yeah. I know. Yeah. We've had a great conversation with Dr. Deline Mushalek. She's a mom, wife, physician, author, best-selling author, speaker, coach, and the Ms. CEO Author of the Year. We didn't get into that. We'll have to do that on another show. <laughs> yeah. We'd like to have you back. I'd love to. And, and I hope you have a great National Working Moms Day. Oh, thank my, you yes. so much. I hope, I hope the kids or somebody empties out the, uh, the dishwasher for you. <laughs> Or loads it. <laughs> loads the dishwasher. Yeah. I know. It's, it's one of the two. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, my husband's awesome. That's one thing. Such is a he? blessing that he helps. No qualms. It helps having a partner who is a partner. That's right. And not uh, somebody who works against you or... You're all making me feel bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Queen Maria bought a little sign that says "Clean, Dirty." <laughs> she started, oh, I love so. thumbs up, thumbs down. Yeah, right, right, right. right. Or did you turn it this way, that, Mark? And she's working on that look that the doctor has. Oh, yeah, it's tricky. Right, sorry. And don't forget, she has a podcast, Doctor Mom, Doctor Mom podcast. That's on Apple Podcast or your favorite podcast platform. That's right, Doctor Mom Show. Check it out, Doctor Mom Show. There you go, folks. So check that one out. We appreciate you listening to this episode of St. Louis in Tune. 
take time to look at the show notes on the website for everything that was mentioned on this episode. St. Louis in Tune is produced in cooperation with KWRH 92.9 FM and Motif Media Group. For St. Louis in Tune, I'm Arnold Strickland.